Hey, good morning. Hey, before you're seated, I want us to do something we haven't done for a long time. While handshakes, hugs, and high fives are still very much limited, tell someone else that you love them. You're glad to see them before you have a seat. Praise God for that. Glad you're here. Good to see you. You may be seated. Hey, it's been almost a year since we did anything like that. And, um, uh, you know, while we still need to be very conscious of, of just socially distancing, guys, it, it is good to interact with each other. It's good to fellowship. It's good to be here and worship. We're excited you're here to join us today. Uh, last Sunday, got me thinking about this, Mark, the, uh, the highest regathering point of just us coming together to worship since last March. And, and I'm excited about that. That led the elders. Yeah. That led the elders and I to discuss, hey, what's our next steps? And in February, you're going to see some next steps to regathering. Um, we're going to keep the service times the same, but we're going to be changing things with Christian education and just a few other details that we believe is going to help more people gather and do it safely and with confidence. Uh, so we're excited about that. If you're online, uh, maybe you couldn't uh, hug someone or, or even say hi to someone, send someone a text or let it, leave us a comment there. Let us know you're here. Let us know how we can pray for you. We're glad you're with us. Grab your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1. If you grab one in your pew or you brought one or on your phone, we're going to pick up where we left off last week in the creation story where God is saying, hey, I love you so much that I've created you in my image. And we saw last week the word wins. Right from the beginning, whatever the word said was created. And I pray that has made some conversations in your family, maybe in your heart, maybe with a neighbor. Uh, good questions create conversation. Last week, the question we really asked was, hey, where'd the world come from? And the word spoke up, says, hey, God made the word. Uh, I pray that Core 52, if you haven't picked up a book, there's a few left. Core 52 is going to help us dive into the word this entire year. And in Core 52, our family, the Graber family, has already made conversations. Uh, the, the new rhythm we're going to try to meet with Core 52 is this. On Mondays, we're going to read the essay of Core 52. I would encourage you all to do that. And then there's other homework throughout the week. There's five days of additional things you could do, a total of five days. But on Monday, uh, the Graber family last week read the essay. And then we were going to do a report to one another, what we learned, how it spoke to us. And last week, because we weren't all home Monday evening, we started a group text. Uh, it, it's strange, but it's true. Sometimes we communicate best if something has to be communicated, even in our family of seven, through texting, Okay. So uh, the, the group text went out, and the boys were all defining some things they learned from Core 52. And then later on the night, about right before we were going to bed, we kind of discussed those things that had been shared in the text. To, to protect the innocent, I'm not going to tell you which boy did this, but we'll just call him Boy D, okay? <laughs> boy D, in a profound acknowledgement of what he learned from Core 52, is this. Hey, I'm really excited. I learned that, that God is the architect that the Holy Spirit is the engineer and Jesus is the builder of creation. And he's like, man, that really makes sense to me. I read it. I understand it. And we're like, we looked at him like, what are you talking about? Uh, Dad said that in a sermon five times on Sunday. And then this boy D says, Dad didn't say that ever in a sermon. <laughs> the reality was I said that five times that God is the architect, the Holy Spirit is the engineer, and Jesus is the builder. What it reminds me of is my boys don't listen very well, Okay. I'm okay with that in this light. 
The same boy that didn't hear me say that in the message, maybe he didn't either, you read it and then it's in your heart and your minds. So whether it's in the sermon or God's uh, word or in this book by the author, we're growing together in letting the word win. Amen? And while today most of the content will not be from the Core 52 material, I pray you dive into it, but we're in the same spot. Where does our identity come from? Questions create conversations. We'll probably never forget that in the Graber house now about the architect, the engineer, and the builder. The conversation, the question we're coming to today that I'm asking you uh, on the internet, on the radio, or right here on site, where did you come from? Who are you? Uh, who, who am I? Where, where do we have our origins from? Where, 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 what started it all? It's a great question. I think it's a question that's even more asking where did the world come from? Because we're concerned about ourselves. Who am I? We're going to let the word win again with that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse, starting with verse 26. It says, then God said in the creation account, he gets to the sixth day, let us, remember they're in relationship, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the the architect, the, the engineer, the builder, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all crea- uh, the creatures that move along the ground. See, he's going to make mankind to rule over all this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. Guys, God loves you so much. We talked about this. We sang about this morning. He loves you enough to create you in his image. No other part of creation has that value. Uh, most other part of creation, uh, we're going to see this today. God just said, and it was, but it wasn't, there was no breath of him in it. It was just his words commanded to be, and it was. But God took time to make you. Look at this next part of the creation story. It's the same story, just with more detail. Look to chapter 2, verse 4. Of Genesis. It says, This is the account or the story of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. The interesting thing is here, uh, through most of the, well, through all the creation story, God just spoke it into existence. He just made it, created it. But then when He got to us, we're going to see today that He formed it. A A different concept, a more intimate relationship. Last week, we saw that all this, though in the New Testament, comes down to faith. A lot of the world has faith that we are all just an accident, that goo and material and matter had always existed, and that it by chance became what we know today. That takes faith, a lot of faith. In, in, in much the same way, but I, be, I believe even with less faith, we have to have faith that God exists and existed even before it all matter. And there's a blessing in that. And here's some of the blessings that we flow out of that, that faith that God exists and created all things from nothing. Here's the first truth. Being created in God's image allows us to live in relationship. And that's such a valuable thing. That's why uh, this COVID crisis hurts so much. We have been removed from so much relationship. God's created us to be in relationship with our brothers and sisters, with our neighbors, with our church family with our, with our uh, uh, people we long to be with, we've been created for a relationship, and that relationship has its highest form when we're in relationship with God. And chapter 2 displays that. We're going to see that today. You might think, well, what's the deal with chapter 2? Uh, uh, chapter 1 is really the creation story. What's chapter 2, a different story? No, it's the same story with a different emphasis, a, a different additional details that, that values our relationship with God. It's helpful for us to see 
So look back to chapter 2, starting with verse 4. The Word of God says, This is the count of the heavens and earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Pause right here for just a second. We're going to show this in detail for a minute. Chapter 1, it just says, God made, God created, God made. In chapter 2, we see the Lord God made. And, and whenever we see this idea, uh, the, the definition or the, the addition to the Lord being present in the, in the definition of God is, is so important. Now, no shrubs had yet appeared on earth and no plant had sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams come up, came up out of the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Notice the Lord God was present three times there. It wasn't just God. Now, it is the same thing, but, but God is defining himself as not only God the creator, but now Lord. And we're gonna, that's so important. But what was missing in the initial part of creation? There, there were no plants, but, but because there were no plants, there was no one to work the ground. This is a, a small but important thing to understand. Through the first five days, God was making all these things, but no one was there to care for it. No caretaker, no, no person to, to have a dominion over or rule over or to, to just care for everything. And then the Bible says God formed man out of the ground to care for the ground. The, this translation we read says, out of the dust he made man to, to, to work the dust, to work the ground. Interestingly, in the Hebrew language, the word for ground and Adam are very similar in the root content. Uh, Adam, we came out of ground, but, but what, what was amazing here, the Lord formed us. It's, it's such an amazing thing. In Genesis chapter three, you go one more chapter over, while we came out of the ground, to work the ground. When sin came into the world, God says, okay, you're going to return to the ground. Uh, this is not just folklore. Here's what the word of God says about this. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are and dust you will return. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's from the word of God. Now, God never had an intention for us to return to dust, I, I don't believe. But when sin came into the world, there was a... Uh, 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 no longer an ability to have this perfect relationship because sin hindered that. And when we die, we return now to dust. It's not that much of an encouraging concept. But in the midst of this, there is hope because the Lord is present. Look back to the text to chapter two, verse four. Once again, it says, this is the count of the heavens and the earth and how they're created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, three times it emphasizes the Lord was there now. And while he was a part of creation from the beginning, it's a different emphasis on the word for who he is. In the first chapter of Genesis, 32 times it says God was there. God said, God, God made, God said, let us, all those different things. 32 times, and the word there used for God in the original Hebrew was Elohim. And Elohim means the creator, the sustainer, the mighty one. It comes to the, uh, this content with it that the powerful, majestic God that made everything was there. And that's great. Uh, we can know him, we can worship him, but he's very far from us. He's very much above us. And if God left us just with Elohim, it would have been someone we worship, but not really known. 
It'd be like that person you respected, but they never really let you into the relationship with them. But God says, I'm not going to leave you just God Elohim. I'm going to lead you with the Lord God. And the word used for Lord in chapter 2 is the word you may know as Yahweh. It was a word that was so relational, uh, the people were even uh, uh, intensely uh, worried about even to pronounce it right because they didn't want to hurt their relationship with God. So it was later translated as Jehovah. But it carries with it this concept, the Lord of the people. So God says, not only am I the creator, but I am your Lord. I'm your, uh, your father. You're, you're the one in relationship. It, it has it with the, the, the same concept, a very close concept to when Jesus says, I, I cry out and pray to Abba, Father. Jesus says, I, I can cry to my daddy. I can pray to my daddy, my father in heaven. God wants us to know that he's created us, not just as, as someone to, that him to watch, but he's created us so we can know him. Here's the interesting thing. Because we've been created in a way that we can know God, we are created in his image, he is knowable. Do you know him? If God is knowable, uh, what keeps us from knowing him fully? God, the creator of everything, wants a relationship with us. What limits that? God really shared with us in three main ways a revelation, a, a, a sign to us that he is real and wants a relationship. The, the first main revelation that I learned at Bible college years ago was there is natural or general revelation. That is just the nature around us. God is crying out saying, I am real, I'm real. You can see it in a sunset. You can see it in a mountain. You can see it in a snowflake and a newborn baby and a river. You can look anywhere. You can look at a little bug crawling around the, the earth. You know there has to be something bigger. God's saying, I am real in general revelation. It's amazing. Slow down someday and just look at nature around us. It cries out that there's God. There's also a special revelation. It is known as the Word of God. God took time to put into word through the power of the Holy Spirit into authors his revelation to us, his message, his good news to us about everything we need to know. So we have general revelation, we have special revelation in the Bible, and there's also this perfect revelation. It's the incarnation of God in Jesus. That God, through the Word, took on flesh and was born of a virgin and lived a perfect life. That is the perfect revelation through Christ. And all that was done so we could have a relationship with him. So what keeps you, if God is knowable through nature, through his word, through Jesus, what keeps us from often entering into that relationship? I think it's really the next blessing, but some people run from this. God created us in God's image, and it gives us responsibility. And as soon as I hear, you hear that word, you're like, I don't want any more responsibility. That's the way a lot of us are made. And sometimes it pulls us away from desire of God's relationship, but really is a blessing. Think about it. In creation, we're very different than the rest of creation. See, God, Elohim, spoke everything into existence in the word one. Whatever God said, it was there. It was just created like that. But when he, in the form of Yahweh, also came in an intimate relationship with us, he not only created us, the Bible says he formed us. Verse 26 of chapter 1 says, let us make mankind in our image. So we're going to make it. But then in chapter 2, verse 7, we see this more intimate rela relational formation of us as humans. It says, then the Lord God, not just God, the creator, the, the one who wants a relationship with us, formed a man. He didn't just make us, he formed us. From the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. 
while it would be sufficient for me just to be created by God, the word of God says that he took time to form us in a very special, intimate way to make us exactly the way he wanted us. And then, like no other part of creation, he breathed into us the breath of life. It wasn't just the spoken word that it was done. He put an extra special emphasis on the creation of humans. It holds with it the idea of a potter who would take the mud or clay and mold it just the way he wants until he gets the vessel that he is intending to get. And God has done that with each of us. No matter how old you are, no matter uh, uh, where you've come from, no matter what you've done in the past, God has molded you to be the way you are. And, And you have his image or his breath in you. And it gives us a high value in all of creation. David tells us about this value in creation in Psalms 139. He says, this is how we were formed. This is how I was formed. In Psalms 139, David says these words, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, I've been knitted together. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. My eye saw my, your eye saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that you formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. David is declaring God slowed down in creation. Every time a human is made, he forms us together with intimate detail. We're just not spoken to existence, but he knits us together even before there was nothing. And that blows our minds sometimes, but, but how do we have life? There's a miracle that takes place when God begins to knit us together at the moment of conception. And it gives us great value. No other part of creation has a soul that is, is breathed into from, from God and the Holy Spirit. And God has been forming us and it gives us value, but it gives us responsibility as well. Look back to the responsibility. He he says, we're going to rule. He says, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule. And you can keep reading there. But he says, one of the main reasons that we can rule, have dominion, is we're made in God's image. While God created all things and all things belong to him, he gives us the ability to rule over those things. And that's a great responsibility. And I pray that you cherish it. I pray that you hold it tight and, and do your very best to be stewards of God's great creation but we're the pinnacle of it we're more than animals i'm not going to try to be specific about how we need to steward every part of god's creation i love the idea of renewable resources now man that's that's just a great blessing that we can bring to this world i I love the idea that we can recycle i love the idea that that farmers can really value the land uh, much more than we did even uh, 20 30 years ago there's a great value that comes when we make the most of god's resources and yet some people just discard it and we need to be very careful against that because god has placed us to rule over creation and to be its caretaker starting with the dirt Dirt matters, guys. We need to cherish every single thing of the creation. And sometimes we take it for granted. Think about this way. It's like being invited to someone you greatly trust, and they've got this beautiful house on this great spread of land, and the backyard is a vineyard, and, and, and the lawn is just manicured uh, just, just intensely. Maybe there's a little fish pond, and it'd be like going into that place, being invited in there to enjoy it, to take care of it, and you start digging holes everywhere and throwing trash. 
It'd be like going to the fish pond and, and, and dumping some, some waste that kills a fish. You would be kicked out of that property in a moment. And that's how often we as humans have taken advantage of God's creation. We're to do our very best to be caretakers because that's, we were made to, to rule over it. But we can't get all focused on that the creation should be worshipped, but it should be valued and maintained. The world would tell us that creation will take care of itself through natural selection. If we abuse it too much, we're, we're all just be extinct at some point. While that may be true, God has not developed an ultimate natural selection in society. Natural selection, based on science, would tell you the biggest, the fastest, the, the strongest, the, the animal with the most teeth is going to win. Okay? You might say, well, I agree with that. Natural selection is, is very much a thing. And some of you may be like, no, I can conquer anything. Have you ever come face-to-face -face with a bobcat or bear out in the wilderness, okay? That would be natural selection, that, that you would be overwhelmed by that. That could happen. But God has created us as humans to be able to outthink, outcommunicate, outdesign the rest of creation. And that gives us great value. We have the abilities to not only be a blessing to creation, but to have dominion over it. Some of you are still thinking, no, I believe in natural selection completely. I've seen evidence that that's not the case. We as humans have special ability that animals that are bigger, faster, stronger, and have sharper teeth that they don't have that we do. A perfect example of that this week, Tiffany, my wife. She encountered some beasts, okay, and she was able to, to handle them. Here's what happened. We have this little dog in our house. Her name's Daisy. Uh, it was during the COVID quarantine time that we're like, we should get a dog. How many of you else did that? Anybody else do that? An animal for the first time in a while? You couldn't find a dog for a while. We were on a waiting list for a dog. So we got this dog into her house. I never thought I'd have this dog. I love Daisy. She's eight pounds and she's uh, a cavapoo. And, and that's a whole different story. But, but man, we love Daisy. I'm not going to go over in detail on this, but Daisy's becoming a dog. She's maturing. So when we take Daisy outside now to use the rest, you know, to, to, to go outside to, to take care of herself, <laughs> here's what happens. The big dogs in the area, are, they come running. Daisy has matured, and she's attracting all the dogs in the neighborhood. It just so happens to be our neighbor, Mr. Weber, raises goats, and he has these two dogs that are about 130 pounds each that stand about this tall, and they're amazing animals of protection for these goats. They are very interested all of a sudden in our eight-pound little cavapoo. <laughs> so we can't let her just go outside to, to go to the bathroom on her own. So uh, Tiffany, during the day when the kids are at school and I'm gone, she's all there by herself to, to take care of Daisy, and she's been taking her on a leash. When, when these dogs are there, it's very much intimidating. So she was, I'm going to outthink these dogs, right? Easy for Tiffany to do. So when they're in the front yard, Tiffany takes Daisy out the backyard. Well, that worked for a couple of days, and in just a moment, those dogs started figuring out. So they were backyard. So they, she would tease them and go out the back and then go out the front real quick, and then they'd be in the front, and, and then that just didn't start working. They were there. They were just there in the presence of Tiffany and the dog. It was an intimidating situation for Tiffany and Daisy. But Tiffany is not going to be outwitted by two dogs. So what she did, she fashioned a weapon out of a boy's baseball bat. <laughs> dogs can't do that, can they? And she goes outside now, and she says, you get back. You know, she's keeping these dogs off. And I don't think she would ever hit these dogs. Don't get me wrong. But just the ability for her voice, for her mentality, for her to have a weapon has even the odds of their size and their teeth and all that. Guys, we are not animals. We are above that. And while animals are a blessing, they are not to be held to the level of humans. Amen? 
And sometimes we get that out of, out of whack. Uh, God has created us to a higher level. And in this week in Core 52, if you're reading that, the author is going to highlight some ways that we are beyond the animals. We can love and not just have instincts to respond to things of nature. We can appreciate beauty. We can communicate with others and with God at a high level. And while we're made in God's image, we're not to be worshipped. On the way into church this morning, my sermon was changed. I was listening to WGL 101.7. I do it most mornings on the way into church, and including Sunday morning. And there was this new song. I'd heard it once before, but I really listened to the words this morning. Uh, while we're creating God's image, humans are not to be worshipped. Only God deserves worship. But this new uh, country song declares, this singer, as he's singing, that uh, he, while he's a Christian man, he declares that his wife, girlfriend, or whatever she is, deserves to be worshipped, and he just wants to worship her. Guys, that is a lie from hell. Only God deserves to be worshipped. While we appreciate one another, we're not to worship them. So next time you hear that song, listen to it, and then turn it off next, after you've heard it again and again. Because while we are created special, we are not to be worshipped, but God puts us in a position to be responsible for creation and to be in relationship with him. God also created us to be his representatives. Ben said it this morning. I don't know if you've heard of the phrase before, imago Dei. It's a Latin phrase that simply means we're creating God's image. But when you hear Imago Day in the future, uh, when you see it written, know that, uh, let it be a reminder to you that we are creating God's image and it lets us be a representation of him on earth and we are to shine. And what that means is every person you meet is also creating God's image. And that gives them just as much value as you and they're to be loved and respected and treated well, but not worshiped. It's where our mission statement comes in to, to love God, to love people and to serve all. Because we're creating God's image, we are to love all people. Jesus put it this way, a new command I give you, love one another just as I have loved you. So you must love one another. That gives people value. That's, that's why uh, human rights are so important. While we don't worship humans, we need to protect uh, the right and value of every person. Uh, too many people in today's culture think about around somewhere in 2020, uh, we became enlightened where every human all of a sudden needs to be valued to a higher level. And social justice is so important. While that is true of 2020 and 2021 and forever, Jesus is the one who stated that thousands of years ago. In fact, God's word declares there was a value of all people in the book of Genesis. While human rights are as important as they've ever been, God's word is the one who started this. It's not some new social justice movement, but God's word says we need to be concerned about human rights and justice for all. Genesis chapter 9, we see an evidence of this thousands of years ago. Here's what God's word says. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an account, accounting. You know, sometimes we're like, well, we need to offer human rights and, and we need to really elevate that. Here's what God says. I'm going to hold everyone accountable for how they treat other humans. Thousands of years ago, he says, I will demand an accounting for, from every animal. Think about that. Animals are going to be held accountable for how they treat humans. That blows my mind. It's God's word. I don't even know what to do with that, okay? And it says, and from each human being, too, I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. 
Each of you are going to be held accountable for how you treat and what you do to other humans. Your spouse, your children, your parents, your pastor, your principal, your your boss you can't stand, the political uh, party person from the other side of the, the aisle that you don't even want to look at, you're going to be held accountable for how you treat them and what you do to them. It's in God's word, Genesis chapter 9. It says, whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. Now, that's the Old Testament covenant. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth concept. And now we're under grace. For the image of God has God created mankind. Every human being is valuable, and we will be held accountable for what we do with human life. I'll say it again. Our nation, we as individuals are going to be held accountable for what we do for human life. And every human life is valuable. That means the life of the unborn is valuable. Amen? The life of the newly born. The life of a special needs person. The life of an elderly person. The life of a foreigner. The life of a person from a different race. The life of a person from a different political perspective. Everyone is valuable. And no one needs to be treated as a second class citizen. Because God doesn't treat us that way. The church throughout church history, though, has been the greatest champion of human rights. Jesus' words and the word of God has been the greatest motivation for people to be treated well. Uh, females in the New Testament were, were given a great, uh, great value, greater than any, anyone in the world was willing to give at that time. Uh, people uh, uh, from different backgrounds, from different foreign countries, God's word is always someone who, who raises the value, and that's the way we need to do as a church and as families and as neighbors and as friends. We must value all people. It directly affects in the New Testament people that are devalued because of maybe wealth. The word of God says we are to especially care for the poor, the widows, and the orphans. Are you doing that? Like, I believe in the creation, Tyson. Well, what that affects things is, is how we treat people. Even the people I disagree with, even the people who do erratic things because of political uh, climate, absolutely, we're to value them. Can you disagree with them? Absolutely. I hope you disagree with some of the stuff's going on. If you don't disagree with some of the stuff's going on, I I don't believe God's uh, created image is alive in you as well. But when we disagree with them, we still treat them with respect. We we still speak the truth in love because they're valuable. Too often, you know what's happening right now when we disagree with somebody? We just uh, block them on social media and don't want to talk to them in person. When really what we should do is go to that person in love and to continue to, to convey God's truth. I pray that this church quit playing any type of political card that we're republicans or democrats you know what we are we're christians who happen to live in the greatest country the world has ever seen i'm not sure it's going to last that much longer but currently we're christians who live in the greatest country ever and we can have political opinions amen but when we differ we treat each other with respect because we're created in god's image and we're sons and daughters of him through the blood of jesus well, one more thing I want to share with you we're created to, is image calls us to. Being created in God's image call, calls us to reflect Christ. It goes along with that idea that we're his representation. But here's what Ephesians 2 says. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created you, put his image in you to do things to bring glory to him. How are you doing with that? How are you being a light in this dark world? Jesus tells us that's who we are. We're to be light. Look to the words of Jesus in Matthew 5. 
He says, you are the light of the world. That's who you are. You've been created with his image to be light to this dark place. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're in a dark place and we're to be light. I want to ask the band to come and I'm going to ask the lights to go off in the room. Brace yourselves. It's going to get dark. We're in a dark place. I, I don't believe in my lifetime this world has been any darker than it has been the last eight months, maybe the last eight days. But do you know what really will affect this dark world more than anything is you, children of God made with his image, image shining for Jesus. We're called to shine for him. We're called to reflect in him. While this world is dark, Christ's light is still shining. It's shining in creation. It's shining in his word. It sh should be shining through you. Uh, the light that's going to come on now represents Christ. And when it shines in you and it hits you, it should, you should be able to be a light and reflect it to others. And while there's a little reflection going through the room right now, this, this current board is dulled by its finish. It's got some dust on it. It's got a film on it. In your life, it may represent sin. It may represent your doubt. And you're like, man, I'm not doing a good job. So you know what we often do in this world? We try to blend in and we try to hide. We try to go off in the darkness ourselves so maybe we're not exposed, that we're not reflecting. And then the world even gets darker. But the word of God tells us that we're to be the light of the world. And when the light shines on us, we're to reflect and, and, and impact the world for Christ. And when that light hits us and we reflect, it should be very impactful to anywhere it hits, to everywhere it comes into contact with. Right now, it's so bright in this dark world, it's a little uncomfortable, but you can't miss it, can you? Are you having this type of impact in the world we live in? I know I often don't, often because of sin, and, and I get my life turned around, and I'm not even impacting the world for Christ. God has called you, because you're made in his image, to be a representation of Christ, to let your light shine. Are we doing that? If you're not, it may be because Jesus is not your Lord. He's just the creator. You just know it, you believe it. But remember, the Lord God created. And when the Lord God created, it changes us. We make him Lord of our lives, and it changes uh, how we interact with the world and shine for him. Today, if you realize that you might know him as the creator, but not your Lord, man, make that change. If you've never accepted him as your Lord, Dean and I will be up here. We'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you need to be made new today. The song we're going to sing says, this is who you are. If that's not true, if you're not a child of God, if you're not saved by his grace, become that today by trusting in him. Father in heaven, as we come to this time of decision, I pray that we're reminded through your word that you love us, that you've created us for more than just getting by. Help us to value others and most importantly, be in relationship with you forever. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, if someone here today needs to have their sins forgiven, I pray that they would just cry out for you for help and, and say, I, I want to follow you forever and take steps after steps to, to make you Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.